If you're an aspiring person and want to open up a barbecue grill store or just want to learn to cook a little bit better, this week's guest is Kelly Wirtz. He knows a lot about both, so listen in to what he has to say. Welcome to the Butcher Barbecue Podcast, world headquarters, Wellston, Oklahoma. The Butcher Turned Pitmaster, your host, David Bosca. Welcome, everybody, to the Butcher Barbecue Podcast. In this world, we have a world champion, a restauranteur, a spice company owner, a salesman in the grill business, and a friend of mine. And I'm not saying that many people. This is all one guy rolled up into one. Mr. Kelly Works, introduce yourself. Well, hey, Dave. How are you doing today? It's an honor to uh, be with you today on the podcast. Um yeah, we've known each other for a long time in the, this business. Uh, Say, so just an honor to be with, on here with you. Hey, I appreciate it. Kelly, you may be the only guy I know that can get a perfect score in a dessert category cooking pork muffins. That's right. Tell everybody. That's right. Yeah. It, the, the funny thing is, is when you go up and you win a category on an ancillary category like that, that doesn't have any bearing on the overall grand champion, they'll sometimes ask, hey, what do you cook? And to kind of keep it private, everyone, um, Kelly will answer, pork muffins. And we know it's a joke, but Joe Public out there in the audience goes, he won with that? Yeah, it, it's you're yep. seeing their faces. We... Yeah. That actually started in um, Leavenworth oh, really? years ago. I remember. I don't remember when. I remember the contest though. We were joking around, standing back there. You know, you ought to go up if you get when you go up there. Tell them you made pork muffins. Okay, we did, and that's what it's been ever since. It's it's been the, um, the yeah, and every like you say. We hand out that dessert when we're done because I don't want to eat it at home anymore. And everybody knows what it is. But, yeah, Joe Public or somebody that hasn't had it, they'll always ask me, really? You made pork muffins? How do you do that? Yeah, that's that's. Oh, you fun. take a little ground pork and put it in the bottom of a muffin pan and pour some chocolate cake batter over the top of it. <laughs> really? That's what you do? I'm going to go home and try that. Yeah, go like for to, it, buddy. Exactly. I like to be around when they hand that to the uh, wife or something. Hey, yeah. Uh-huh. Tell everybody right now where you at. Where do you get? Where you? Where you sitting? I'm actually sitting at home. Oh, nice. Um, Where's home? Just got back from a. Uh, uh, I'm at in Great Bend, Kansas. Um, we've been here in Great Bend for well since. 2007 oh yeah i think somewhere in there um yeah just got back home from a three-week trip we were down in texas uh actually working doing some grill demos uh down in new orleans cooking a whole hog for a convention back to waco um then back to new orleans again for the smithfield national finals oh just got back in um Late Sunday night. Wow, that's that that's a lot on a plate right there. To, a lot of window time. Yep. So, yep, but it's fun. Yeah, you uh, since you alluded right into that, let's let's 
let's start with a little bit of that. Um, tell us the company you work for and what you actually do for them. I work for uh, Danson's, which is the parent company of uh, Louisiana Grills and Pitbox Grills. Um, I'm I'm not sure if I even have a job description anymore, <laughs> uh, but I do you know, I do a lot of things, uh, um, anywhere from sales to um, trade shows to uh, some marketing here and there. Uh, a lot of what we've turned into here in the last year with the explosion of the pit boss grills through uh, Walmart, uh, Lowe's, uh, those kind of places. We're doing a lot of uh, on-the-road demos for them. I think we did you know, right at 40 Walmart demos last year, anywhere from Okeechobee, Florida to Minot, North Dakota, um, and anywhere in between, then turn around and start doing a bunch of them for Lowe's, um, kind of all over the country again for them. You know, so we're cooking on uh pit boss and louisiana grills for some of our uh specialty dealers uh dealing with the louisiana grills um but just doing demos you know showing them things different things that you can cook on specifically a pellet grill you know but a lot of what i'm trying to get people to do too is get realize that whatever grill you've got on your back deck is more than just a protein machine yeah. Uh, these demos, I do a lot of desserts. Um, That's I, exactly what I was going to we ask. Were doing, what, what kind of dishes particularly are you cooking? Um, you know, we'll do cookies. I do a peanut butter cookie bar, a Reese's Pieces peanut butter cookie bar uh, a lot of times. You know, stuff that's pretty simple, but we'll also get into doing some uh, cheesecake bars. Um, we were doing maple bacon cheesecake there for a while. Oh, man, that's gotta be a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, that one is good. Um, last or two weeks ago, I think it was, we did a peanut butter and jelly cheesecake. Oh. Um, that one went over well too. Yeah, that sounds uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so you know, just... and we'll do... What's that? I say so. Not just your basic hamburgers and um, um, hot dogs, steaks. You're, right. you're actually showing the diversity of a grill. No matter if it's a, a charcoal, a pellet, a gas. Um, get outside and cook. Right. Get outside and cook. Um, I'll do cheesecakes. We'll bake uh, yeast rolls on them. Uh, do casseroles. Um, you know, it's getting, I haven't done so much of it this year. Uh, last year we were doing a lot of Thanksgiving stuff. Um, you know, throw a turkey on. I actually did a deboned stuffed turkey last week, um, stuffed it with sausage and uh, ham. And then a lot of times we'll do a, a sweet potato casserole in the grill. Okay. You know, uh, there again, if your oven's full, you still need to bake something, go out and fire up your grill. I don't care what grill it is, as long as you can maintain a, 
uh, a temperature, which you can do on a charcoal grill, gas grill, whatever it is. Um, it's nothing more than an outside oven at that point. Yeah. So go outside and use it. I, I, yeah, that's great. Um, in the cooking world, I'm sorry, in your Louisiana grill pit boss world, you visit a lot of different style stores. You've named some of the big, um, chain stores. Um, but you also visit, uh, the independently owned mom, paw type stores too, don't you? Yep. Yeah. When you go yep, into the, got... are you, uh, going in as a salesman or are you going in as a tech person? Would you say you're going in more as a, uh, Hey, ask me any questions you got about it. You're a dealer already, or are they a new potential customer that you're looking to help educate about the Louisiana grill line and let the office come in and, and, and work with them after that. E all of the above. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it all depends on what, what store you're at, where they're at, you know, are they a new store looking to dabble in, you know, realizing that they need to get diversified a little bit. You know, are they just getting started in some outdoor products, some outdoor grills uh, versus some of the old established stores um, that have been selling grills for a long time? You know, here's a, here's a new model of Louisiana grill that uh, can fit with what you guys are doing really well. Um you know, different locations are going to be doing different products. Uh, Phoenix area, we sell a boatload of built-in pellet grills. Built-in, like outdoor um, uh, cooking I, areas. Out, outdoor kitchens. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have ever sold a built-in pellet grill in an outdoor kitchen in Kansas. You know, our our... I would love to have an outdoor kitchen, but you only got two weeks out of the year you can use it, and that's not two weeks contiguous. <laughs> the wind's blowing, the mosquitoes are out, the flies are out, it's too hot, it's too cold, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it is different depending on where you're at on, on the products they can sell as well. Um, so your diversity some stores that, that's why I was say so your diversity of what you have you have a yeah. enough variety that can go to a lot of different people right yeah um, you know our little tailgaters work really great in a few stores but you get out of there and it's a whole different story or several years ago I was down in Arkansas um and we we've got our commodities out. One town is all commodities, you know. So I'm excited. Okay, we can get some commodity, uh big green egg type grills going here. You know, I go to the next town thinking, yeah, okay, we got this, got this rocking and rolling. They don't even know what a commodity is. <laughs> you know, so, and it, but it's all pellet grills over there. So okay, well. Hit them up with that. Yeah, so. pull out these brochures. Yep. Yeah. So um, for the for the inspiring 
retail store owners that might be listening, when you drive up, when you get a phone call from the office, says, hey, we got a, someone wanting to talk to you about being a dealer. What what are you looking at when you go in? Um, do you look like you, you'd mentioned location? Um, obviously, you don't want one across the street from another one. But what 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 says that's that warrants the time to fit it into my route in the next month? I'll come by and I'll visit with you. Do you look at when you walk in the store? Do you look at the location? Let's say they're say they're a new one and it's not an existing. We'll get into an existing here in a bit. But what are you looking at um, that that would help someone understand what they may need before they give you a call? The biggest thing is how interested they are in cooking. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I technically really don't care what kind of store it is. You know, whether it's a hardware store or a John Deere dealer or a massage shop, I don't care. Mm-hmm. If if that owner, if that company is really interested in cooking, if they do a lot of cooking themselves, um, that's when I get excited about working with them and helping them out, you know, I'm going to help anybody out. I'm always excited about getting new dealers, but those are the guys, the people that sell grills because when customers come in, if they got a grill sitting there out front and if they've got a grill sitting in the back that they're cooking lunch on every day because they just love to cook, they can talk to their customers in an all knowledgeable manner about what to buy, how to use it and what to do with it. Well, that makes, that makes an inside tip that I think is very important. And is there any real changes that you look at if say you got an existing store, it's been around and let's say it's, let's say it's already a barbecue store or not a, eh, forget that. Let's just say it's just a store and they've been around. It's not a new turnkey operation. Is it, do you pretty well follow the same format? You know, you, you get into those kind of places. Yeah. It's still the same kind of format. The successful, the most successful stores are going to be the stores that where the employees, the owners love to cook. They love what they're doing. Um, you know, it, it's like anything else. If a car salesman loves to sell cars, he's going to do really good at it. If you're that car salesman that hates your job, you're not going to sell very many cars. You're going to be looking for another job before long. You'll be in maintenance before um, long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a barbecue store that sells, you know, if that's all they are is barbecue, you know, I could, um, yeah, I love to have product in there. I'd love to have our product in there, but if, how do, how do I say it? if they're happy with what they have 
without our product and they're not going to and they're not going to switch to our other product that's fine you know i'd rather have them i'd rather know that up front um they're going to stay with the product they have and i love product loyalty i'd like to have them but if they're happy with what they got that's when they're going to be happier selling what they enjoy selling yeah i think if that makes sense no, I think I think where you're going is you want them to let the customer make the decision, but you want them to be educated and and be happy. Yeah. It doesn't matter where they get their sale, but I want them to be educated in knowing that we've got a quality product, we've got a customer service department, we've got I'm coming by on a regular basis. Um, feel comfortable with this to where you can say compare grill A to grill B. This has this feature features. We've got these features. Um, we we can do this. This can do that. Now let the customer pick. But you want them right. to be smart enough to know that all salt isn't liked by everybody. Some people like salt pepper. Right. Some people like pepper salt. Um, so yep. it, that, I think that's what you're trying to say. Uh, you want the customer or the client that is willing to be open enough to share both styles with one customer and not, not go straight to um, this one grill. This is all that's worth the crap anyway, and wait on the customer comes in looking for a brand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let, let's, let me tell you this story. I do a lot of uh, grill classes. Yes. And, Therefore, um, my Louisiana dealers, my pit boss dealers, I, I shape the class as what you can do on a pellet grill outside. I don't care if you've got a Traeger, if you've got a Green Mountain, if you've got a Rectech, any of the rest of them out there, if you've got a gas grill. I, I you know. Yes, I'm trying to promote Louisiana grills and gas grills, but I'm also trying to promote get outside, use your grill for more than just a protein machine, whatever you got. Kelly, that's kind of the philosophy I've taken it's, with it's, uh, the products that I've got. Um, there's been an explosion of companies that are selling injections. And that's exactly what I've said. I don't care. Bring more on. At some point, they might try mine. That's all I can say. Bring someone to the injection world. Now, maybe down the yep. road, they can try mine. Exactly. Yeah. Competition is not a bad thing. No, that's right. That's right. And speaking of your classes, um, you do more than just your demo classes at a store. Um, I know for a fact um, a couple of them that come to mind that are intriguing is one of one of your little side passions. It is barbecue, but side passion is making sausage. Tell us a little bit yep. about your sausage class. <laughs> well, my sausage is, is directly related to barbecue. Mm -hmm. Because what are we going to do with all this trim from all this uh, brisket and pork okay, you... that we cooked for barbecue contests. You know, when we had the restaurant, 
that was easy. We could always run that through the cooker and uh, throw it in beans or do lots of different things with it. When I got out of the restaurant business, then I'm sitting here with all this extra trimming that I really didn't want to throw away. <laughs> so what's the next best thing to do with it? Make sausage. Um, there, you know, And there's a lot of other people in the same boat. So we've been making sausage with this stuff for, uh, what, five, six years now, something like that. Yeah, that's how long um, I've been eating your sausage. Okay. <laughs> so we... Um, several people have asked for a sausage class over the years. We finally got one put together and did it at uh, the Kansas City Barbecue Store last year. Uh, just kind of going through the basics. Um, you know, what equipment you need, because that's a lot of the question. Um, you know, and my big thing there is, like a lot of things, don't go out and spend a whole bunch of money on a bunch of big, powerful equipment that is so hard to get out that you you think you want to make sausage, but it's such a pain to get that stuff out that you don't want to even do it. You know, there's there's easy ways around that. You know, and that's what we talk about in the class. Trying to keep it simple, ways you can use um, your barbecue trim, um, you know, or if you're just interested in making breakfast sausage. You know, we talk about that too. Um, talk about all the equipment, uh, kind of that you need. And then in the afternoon for that class, we, we give you guys pork butts and I'll set up all my equipment and turn everybody loose and let them make sausage and, uh, mix it up, get the seasonings right, uh, get the salt right. So you can get that moisture retention in it and get the right meat batter, um, and let them have fun trying to stuff casings. That's what I was going to ask. Do you have them stuff anything, or you just do bulk patty type stuff? But no, you just answered that. Yep. Yep. We let them stuff and find out how how full to stuff casings so you don't blow them up, <laughs> um, so you don't get them too loose and have nothing but casing and very little meat and all that side of it. Pretty well the art of sausage making. I mean, it, it, it goes all the way to the end like that. Yep. And then you're there yep. for answering questions on uh, um, the cooking side of it, too. Yep. Yep. It will do uh, run a little bit of smoked sausage as well. Um, I'll bring my little cold smoke box on the LG grill. Uh, we'll throw some cold or some smoked sausage in. Um you know, then it gets into some of the finer points of if you're going to smoke sausage, you got to get the cure in it to prevent the bacterial growth. And there's some, there's right cures and there's some other cures out there that people think are cures that really aren't. <laughs> uh, you know, we talked about that. Um, the proper way to do a smoked sausage um, without getting all the shrinkage and everything on it. Um, I've, all the reading I've done, I've found some other ways of doing um, smoked sausage a little bit quicker. Uh, we do some of it in a water bath, um, which, in my opinion, is the only way to do it, but that's another story too. Uh, but it just helps get you through that process a little quicker 
and have a little bit better product out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Full of knowledge right there. Uh, you could probably go all day long talking about the, the, the why's, how comes this is how, what this is. Um, and then the other class I was thinking of was, and I don't know if it's actually worded this way or what, but we, I called it the one Oh one barbecue class. Um, I don't remember if that I'm thinking of the one where you helped cooks on their cooker and had judges come up. What, what would you call yep. that type class? That was our barbecue three Oh one. Okay. Um, and I, and I love doing that class. Um, we'd supply all the meat, um, get, uh, people would bring their cookers. We'd start on Friday, um, go through how to trim, uh, brisket, let the class go trim brisket, come back and go through how to trim pork, let the class trim pork, you know, go through ribs and chicken as well. And then Saturday morning, bright and early at I was, I think we were doing it at five o'clock. Everybody was cooking their product there at the class, you know, so we could kind of go around and, you know, if somebody was having trouble running a cooker, we could help them with that or, you know, show them some different ways of running cookers. Um, you know, and all this time we're talking about seasoning as well. Um, just the whole gamut of everything all the way through finishing, which of course is the most important thing. Um, so yeah, it's not just, uh, you're standing in front of a classroom, giving a recipe. Right. Right. And then in the afternoon, we bring actual KCBS judges in, do some turn in boxes, the students would get to watch the judging process, which if you're going to do very many KCBS contests, you need to understand how the judging process works. Not just the, not just the numbers, but you need to understand what goes on at the judging table, which in turn relates to how you put your boxes together. That's right. The procedure in which they are instructed to judge is very important. Right. Right. Um, so the judge, the cooks would get to watch that process to understand it. And then we would take time for the judges then to explain their thoughts on each individual piece of meat. And it wasn't set up to be a barbecue contest where you're trying to put your best meat forward. Yeah, they're not competing against the guy next door. They're trying to learn. Right. We really didn't care if you burnt your ribs or whatever. We wanted you to see that judging... go through the whole process, see the judging process and get feedback from the judges as to appearance, taste and tenderness. Yeah. And what, so we helped the cooks out. One of the things we found out through that process 
was we actually helped judges out probably as much as the cooks. Really? That's interesting. How, how so? When, when the judges have to verbalize their thoughts, it then becomes a whole different process. Oh, wow. That's, that's an insight right there. Yeah. So think about, you know, if you're, you have your thoughts on say a brisket turn in what you thought it was like. Somebody comes over and asks and says, Hey Dave, what'd you think your brisket today? Then you have to verbalize it. And now it becomes a different thought process of what you really thought it was. Kelly, that's very, very insightful. As a cook, we do that in our own trailers, under our own tents. Right. But, but to say, okay, I didn't care for the flavor of that. Well, that's easily rolls off the tongue. Now, what didn't you like about that flavor? Um, that was too exactly. tough. Well, what, what made it too tough? Was it the middle? Exactly. Was it the outside? Yeah. Now that man, is that not insightful? Well, I like that. I like that a lot. You know, and that's one of the things we found out through this process, especially on brisket, you know, we're, we're kind of as a cook seeing how in the past, Judges were supposed to do tenderness. You pull it apart, you know, in the middle, and at least I always did. I took a bite to taste it, see what tenderness was like in the middle. Mm -hmm. Well, talking to judges, they may not do it that way. They may take a bite off of one end or the other side of the brisket and judge from there. So you're also, as a cook, you're studying how they eat. Right. Yeah. If you ever get to watch judges eat ribs, every judge at that table will take a bite off of a rib in a different way. Not just from the side that you would expect. I, right. Yep. I always thought you picked up a rib, meat side up, turned it sideways, and took a bite out of the middle of it. That's the way I eat ribs. I thought everybody ate ribs that way. <laughs> yep. No. I've seen them, you know, same thing, turn them upside down with the meat side down. So most of your sauce is going to get on your tongue to start with versus if you turn it meat side up, they're going to get maybe a little bit of sauce and maybe a little bit of seasoning on their tongue right off the bat. But then the sauce has to move around in their mouth before they get that flavor on their tongue. Before it mixes in to where you expect to have before, a total, total flavor. Right. I've seen them put the small end of the rib bone in their mouth and take a bite and pull the rib bone out. Wow. I've seen, I've never, heard I've, seen them, I've seen them eat from the other, from the cartilage side. You, you don't, we, years ago, we used to talk about the target spot on a rib. Mm -hmm. 
which is there was always that meat side up. You take a bite out of the middle of the rib. There is no target spot in the rib. When you start seeing how judges eat. That. So the same thing, kind of back to brisket. You know, when you start looking at scores, okay, yeah, when you pick that one piece of brisket up, you thought it was perfect tenderness right in the middle of it. Well, maybe the judge is eating off of the soft side and he thought it was too done. Maybe the judge was eating off of the hard side and he thought it was too done or too not just not tender enough. Yeah. Briskets vary from side to side, as we all know. And they vary from slice to slice as you go up. So the ver- the variation in your scores may actually be true. What? Yeah. That's a heck of a note. All, all those six pieces of chicken that you put in the box may be a little bit different than the one you tried. Because they came off of six different chickens. Well, three at least. I yeah, <laughs> and, and that goes back to just being a, a pitmaster. You know, you got first thing you got to do is got to be real with yourself. If you can't be honest with yourself, right. hey, my food's great, my food's not so good. Um, if you really truly believe you cook the the best top five brisket you've cooked in your life, and just so happens it's for the last five contests, it's amazing how you've not hit yeah. first place every time. Yeah. So, and I one, think, and one of the things I learned with that years ago, you know, where I live, I normally have about at least a five hour drive, if not an eight or nine or 10 hour drive to get back home after a contest. Yeah. So, and, and one of, back to that 301 class, one of the things I was trying to get across to them when you're doing a turn in box, you're busy. You've got all kinds of things going through your head. The box isn't right. I don't like that garnish. Trying to get sauce on it, trying to get the box cleaned up. You're tasting. Everything's all going on at once. You thought it was a pretty good rib or whatever it was. Now sit down when you're driving back home or after the contest Some at some point and really think about what that entry was. Well, yeah, okay, I kind of get it. That that rib might have been a little bit mushy, mushier than what I thought. I'm, I'm looking at the picture of my pork box. That's what I was going to yeah, say. A lot of people take pictures. That... I go back and look at that picture now and it didn't, you know, the pulled pork looked funny or something, you know, whatever it is, but sit at some point, sit down and slowly think about everything you turned in, the flavors, the textures, everything. 
you will probably find out the judges were a little closer than what you thought they were when you first read the score sheets. Yeah, there's something we do also, and what we do is, you know, at a cook-off, we've got smoke in our mouth. We've been, there's just so yeah. much going on that I really feel that our flavors are are, are not 100%. After the contest, we put everything in Ziplocs. It goes in the ice chest. We go home. The next day, tradition to me is is I'll go out and I'll grab a rib out of a bag. Um, I'll try it. Okay? Try a piece yeah. of the pork. I'll try a piece of the bread. It's cold, but I can get the real flavors of what, what there is versus what I thought it was. So that's something we've always done right. along with it. I, I just eat it cold. I want to see what I'm, what I'm really tasting. Yep. yep. Yeah, exactly. Go back and, you know, it's that review. I don't care. Yeah. Personally, I don't do that because I think flavors can change enough. Oh yeah. They do that after they get cold. Yeah. But right. Um, you know, you can still go back and is there something funky in it that you weren't picking up before? Yeah, maybe that's what I'm looking for more yeah. than anything else. I'm checking to see if there's, a, I'm not going to say a sour note, but a one note yeah. that's sticking out more than another. Yeah. Than another. You know, um, is, is the sauce, does the sauce not match up with the flavor of the rub or whatever it is? Yeah. You know, I'll, at a contest, I, always try to find somebody to either trade food with or say, Hey, I'm going to bring food over to you. Would you just try it? You know, I'll come back to you later and check with you. Yeah. We do that a bunch. You and I've traded a lot of different food back and yeah. forth. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. Just, you know, Dave, are you, did you pick up something in that rib that I didn't pick up? You know, is there something funky with it? Is it good? Is it not? Yeah, you know, get somebody else to taste it. As you know, I think I was I was listening to your podcast with Travis, and he's correct. We don't like our own food. Let somebody else try it. Yeah, yep. that day or like you say, the next day, um, even the next day let mom and the kids try it or take it to work and let somebody else try it that you can trust that has good taste buds that will give you an honest opinion. Yeah. You know who my best, I'm not going to say critic, but was the most honest person to me on my ribs was my dad. He will tell you flat out. No, those, I didn't like them. I mean, cut me no slack. Let me tell you, he'd just say, Nope, those ain't no good. Those ain't no good. And when he liked them, I I remember hearing stories when um, other cooks would come over. Um, I think it was Donnie, um, Buffalo's Barbecue. I believe um, he was walking around or something. I'm not sure, but Donnie gave him a rib. And he told Donnie, he says, let me tell you, he said, you don't ever need to tell Dave this, but this beats his rib altogether. (laughs) Yep. I was, so. I was just going to ask you about that <laughs> because I, yeah. I've heard that story too. He, your dad liked Donnie's ribs better than yours. Yeah, I think. yeah. So, and and I'll be honest with you, I don't know if Dad knows or knew that uh, I knew that. 
Um, well, there's one tradition at a cook-off that Four Legs Up barbecue team is known for. That's the Saturday morning adult beverage shot. Tell us how that got started. Well, it's it's not just adult beverages. We do have other things for others like as me. well. <laughs> yep, like you. If you if you would ever decide to come to the ten thirty shot, we would have something else for you to drink, Dave. Um. The ten thirty. Well, the origin of the Saturday morning shot, I think, goes back to um, Charlie Marin. Charlie, and what was his wife's name? I can't think of it right now. Did you ever know Charlie? I'm sitting here trying to think. Charlie? No, I don't believe I did. Eddie. Eddie Marin's dad. Oh, 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 okay. Bit, yeah, Fast Eddie, Fast Eddie. Little, yeah, the yeah. little short guy with always wore overalls. I never and met him. I met, I met Ed's brother, but I've never met, never got to meet okay. his dad. Yeah. There's, there's lots of stories around where the Saturday morning shot come from, but I, as near as we can tell, that's probably where it originally started years ago. Um, and Charlie always had a story and a toast and, um, anyway, we just kind of started doing it. Um, the original one was at 11 o'clock. That didn't work very good for people cooking chicken. So we moved it to 1030. Okay. Um, it's really more about getting everybody together. You know, we're all, we're all competitors. We all like to compete but we're all really good friends as well. Yes. Um, and that, and that's what it's all about. It's, it's about getting everybody together and wishing everybody good luck one last time before we all get busy. Um, you know, hanging out maybe for a few minutes, telling a few more stories. Uh, you know, barbecue cooks never have any stories whatsoever, but, <laughs> um, it's just something we enjoy doing. Um, and it gives me a chance to get out and uh, tell everybody, remind everybody about 1030 shot. And, um, you know, if you can't make it, you can't make it. That's all right. Um, but it gives me a chance to get out like always I try to and um, visit with you for just a few seconds and tell you good luck and move on to the next team. Um, it's all about the people. That's really really what barbecue contests are about anyway. I, I agree. And as a disclosure, usually at about the time you're doing it, there's something I've got to be doing in my cook process. That's, and I just want the well, world to Dave, know it's not that I don't like Kelly's side over there and I don't want to drink his liquor. I just, that is usually <laughs> when I got something going on. <laughs> yep. There's there's a few like that. Uh, Bobby with BS Barbecue Outlaws. I don't remember. What, he's got something going on at 1030, but a lot of times he'll come over early and we'll, we'll have to do a pre-shot with Bobby. <laughs> See, now I hadn't thought of that. 
Well, See, so now you got ideas for the that's next right. round. That's right. I might have to start my own um, uh, tradition. It's going to be a pre-shot to Kelly shot. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We'll do it 1025. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. That'll work. Yeah. All right. We've, we, we've went through the barbecue world just a little bit with you. Um, didn't get into your restaurant. I mean, to me, that's kind of a history thing, but it kind of gives you a, how, how, how other folks are, are living in that world. But outside of barbecue, you got any other hobbies or passions that you like to do? Um, barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> so you live, breathe, drink, you, you're a barbecue, uh, passion, fanatic, yep. everything. Okay. All right. Pretty, um, pretty much, you know, with between, uh, uh, my actual real paying job, um, Louisiana grills and pit boss grills, you know, of course that's barbecue wherever I go with that. Um, barbecue contests on the weekends, get home, uh, recoup and go out and do it all over again. We put 50,000 miles in the pickup this year. So doesn't leave a lot of time at home for, um, other hobbies, I guess. There's some always, always things I like to do, wanted to go do, but just don't ever have time. And you know, I still love to cook at home. Uh, when I am home, we're I'm coming up with some funky idea for something and trying it. And if the if my lovely bride says no, don't do that again, we kick that recipe out and start over. Yeah, I I get that. Um... So, Miss Ronnie doesn't have a uh, to-do list for you to do on the six hours you're sitting at the house. <laughs> well, yeah, there there's a few of them, but not very many. <laughs> uh, well, if you listen to the podcast, I, go ahead. It's mostly sit beside her on the couch when I am home. <laughs> there you go. Hey, man, sometimes a spoon's not a bad deal. Well, if you That's listen, right. yeah, if you listen to that last podcast, you've seen why I kind of um, will take my big old injection needle, and I'm going to shoot you full of a truth serum. I'm going to have you answer a question. It's got to be truthful now. I want people to know what the real Kelly Works is, okay? On a nice July, say a weekend, weekday, and you're out grilling a burger, what do you like on your burgers? Do you a mayo, a, a mustard, or a ketchup person? No mustard. Not a mustard. Mayo, cheese. Mayo, cheese, and if we have any of it, mom's homemade chili sauce. Chili sauce, really? That's it. Yep. What does that do? What, what, what? She, she makes a tomato. It's a tomato based. It's not, it's not a chili sauce like you would think of, you know, the Heinz chili sauce out mm -hmm. of a jar. It's more of a tomato kind of spicy condiment. Oh wow! Don't know how to. Don't know. Never have really figured out how to describe it. Um, and it's one of those I've always wanted to go get it commercially made, but haven't got that far yet either. <laughs> All right. So you you like that? What kind of sides you like with your burger? You're a Potato chips, coleslaw, potato salad, 
or just nothing? What, what, what do you like as a side for a burger on a grill? Potato salad. Got to be potato salad. Potato salad with egg and no mustard. I was that was my next one. You a mayonnaise or a mustard potato salad person? Yeah, yeah. Mario Whip. Yeah, yep, yep. All right, simple. You got just a little bit of that running through your veins still. One simple yep. question here: What's your favorite holiday? Favorite holiday? Yeah, they're all good. Don't don't be saying Ronnie's birthday. That. No. Well, that's that's uh, four days after Christmas. So, <laughs> with that all kind of gets lumped in together, <laughs> we try not to lump it too much. You know, it's not fair to have it's not fair to have birthdays on Christmas or that close to Christmas. But we so we daughter. try to spread it out a little bit. We got a daughter anyway. the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly, I've got one thing. I've got a Facebook question. Um, going to kind of start throwing these in. A uh, gentleman by the name of Tim Wallace asked, what few secrets can you provide to help be a consistent, great barbecue? Give yours. I'll give mine. I, I'll start. It doesn't matter. Um, to me, being consistent, it starts with the protein, the meat itself. Um, if you don't understand what it is, how it cooks, it's hard to be consistent on a, on a grill or a low and slow smoker. If let's say you're cooking, um, a brisket, uh, if you're not used to, let's say you're cooking, uh, you're used to cooking a select or choice brisket from a grocery store and you find a prime brisket or, a you dive off into the Wagyu world. Um, I think understanding the meat to me is what it is. You can't make ground, you can't make a prime rib out of ground beef. Um, but well, I think it just starts with that for me. The, the consistent is knowing your meat and, and how to cook it. What do you think? Right. Um, you are correct. Um, and that's our competition class is called the art and science of competition barbecue. You know, there's a lot of science in it. There's a lot of art in it. You kind of need to understand how meat cooks. Yeah. You know, that, that there's a stall at about 160, 70 degrees on pork and brisket until you get up there until that final collagen melts. Um, and that, that's what you go Which, over in the uh, classes. And, that's what, the, that's what I think that's exactly right. what he's wanting to do is what, what it is and study, study it, listen to what's right. out there. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is the secrets yeah. that can be provided would be just that it's not the type of grill. You got to get this grill. You got to get this salt on it. You got to do it at this time. I think it's just studying the art of, and knowing what you start with. Right. And I think you told me years ago, get the um, books from Harold McGee. Yes. Um, he explains a lot of that, and a lot of it I still don't understand. Um, but there again, that's the science of it. And you you got to bring the art into it because 
just because somebody tells you a brisket is down at 190 or 210 or whatever number you want to call doesn't mean it's done. You got to, you got to check it by hand. That's where the art comes in. You got to feel it. That's when it's done. That's, that, and that's right. as you were saying, different briskets cook different choice, prime Wagyu. They're, they're all that final temp where you're shooting for, you got to start checking because that when it's done is a little different for each one of them. Same thing with chicken. Tyson thighs cook different than smart chicken thighs do. Um, different ribs will cook different. You know, if you go from, um, look, for example, let's say a Tyson rib to a, I don't care, a Prairie Fresh rib or Smithfield, there, that final temp is always, that final feel is always going to be just a little bit different. Yeah. And all that goes back to things that we cannot control. It, it's the feedlot. Right. It's, it's where they were, they came from, um, uh, how long they were on the feed and something a lot of people don't realize or think about is I've heard a lot of cooks will go, man, my chicken was hitting first of the year. Now it just died off and it's becoming a little drier. It's doing this or it's doing that. Do you think it's the humidity? Um, it's sometimes it's things you cannot control and it is how they were raised the feedlot because generally across the nation and it varies from area to area but usually around july um the feed grains are changing as uh um what they're they they have to hit a certain protein in these feedlots to get the the weight gain they need they will have to alter and change the formula when the new grains are coming in out of the fields because this year's grain might have a higher protein in the wheat um, or the corn versus what last year's did so as that changes our protein changes and it's not the marbling that's changing because you got to have so many it's a marble count that makes it a choice but the protein itself is changing because what it took to get to it um and there's there's so much you can get so in depth in that but tim we really yeah. appreciate your question and what that is folks is i'll ask on facebook on the butcher barbecue page um, time for some questions for the podcast and we'll give you uh, I'll contact you and see what your rub uh, preference is. I'll send you a free bottle of rub for uh, us using your question. Well, Kelly, that pretty well wraps it up. Um, tell everybody how they can follow you or where they can contact you at. Um, Kelly Wirtz on Facebook. Uh, there is a four legs up page on Facebook. Um, honestly, I'm not very good at getting on that page, uh, very often. Um, I do not have a website yet. Um, I'm never around home long enough to update the website or, uh, sell rubs off that website or anything. Uh, so we haven't quite got that figured out yet. So everything's basically off of, uh, uh, just my Kelly Wirtz Facebook page. Okay. Um, got an email. We, we can give an email out. 
four legs up at gmail.com. All right. Kelly, that's I really number, appreciate that's that. The number four. Say that again. That's the number four, L A G S U P. There you go. Hey, Kelly, I really appreciate the time. Um, thanks for sitting in and sharing your thoughts and process on that. And let's hope that someone can get a gold nugget out of this conversation. Um, everybody, we appreciate y'all listening. Um, be sure to subscribe to the podcast page. Give us some um, a rating there and be on the lookout for uh, our next podcast. Smash that subscribe button and be ready for Butcher's next podcast.